Thank you, worship team. Uh, it's good to worship together. And it's, uh, I just, we just got to give God praise, too, because we have a first-time visitor in the house. Um, and I just want to invite uh, Jaden, May, do you guys want to introduce us to somebody? <laughs> Beautiful. Ezekiel Stephen. Ezekiel Stephen. Beautiful. Congratulations, guys. He's awesome. He's also got an excellent birthday, highly recommended. 14th of April is a good day to be born. It's a good day to be born. Bless you guys. So good to see him. Uh, Before we start, I also wanted to um, just give one other quick announcement. Uh, Dave, I don't know if you can put up the, um, that membership Sunday slide. Uh, So, you know, one one of the things that we have in church is membership, uh, and if you're interested in becoming a member of Bridge, uh, we're having a class which from 8.30. It's really more of just a, a time together to think up together about what, what distinctives uh, Bridge has as a church, uh, what we believe to be a means for us to be a gospel-believing church uh, from 8.30 to 12. And then the next day, we'll have our membership Sunday. I, listen, let's be real. I know 8.30 to 12 on a Saturday is maybe not like what the time you'd want to give up to come and, and think together about membership. Uh, but I want to invite you, if you're somebody who's not a member, um, but you've been coming to Bridge or, or, or for a while, or, or you've been thinking um, about coming regularly, here's, here's a very plain way of talking about membership. We want to fight together for unity, and we believe we need to fight for it at Bridge in, in, the, in the good way, not fight one another. We need to fight together for, uh, for diversity, a diversity of gifts, a diversity of different kind of people. Uh, those are things that, as a community, let's, let's fight together for those things because they don't just happen by accident. And so what, what, what membership is is just, is just kind of putting a little skin in the game. Are you, are you ready to join and fight, fight together with us on that for, for unity in Christ to represent the diversity that he's, he's given the church? So I would just invite you to consider that. Uh, it's, it's an opportunity for you to, to put some skin in the game here at Bridge and say, I'm, I'm for that. I'm here for that. I'm here to fight for unity. I'm here to fight for diversity that Christ may be glorified. So just uh, consider that. If you have questions about what that would be, uh, please certainly come, come and talk to me about it. Thanks, Dave. Uh, so we are, we are uh, working our way slowly through uh, the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew 6, uh, 7. Uh, we're going to read verses 7 to 13. And what I would invite you to do is I'll read the, um, uh, verse 7, 8, and 9. And then I would invite you to pray the prayer with me together. We'll, we'll say the prayer together um, uh, uh, as I read it. So Matthew 6, starting in verse 7. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they, ha- they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. This, then, is how you should pray. and Say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, Lord, we, we, we pray now as we consider this text. Uh, Lord, would you, would you help us incline our hearts to your testimony, to your word. Open our eyes, Lord, that we could see marvelous things from your teaching. Uh, would you unite our heart to be reverent and, and fearful of your name in the, in the right reverent way that you are holy. Unite our hearts to do that, Lord, we pray. And, and we pray, Lord, also, would you then satisfy us with your love? May each one leave here satisfied that they've tasted and seen that you are good. Would you do this, Lord, for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, uh, I, I feel, I, I've shared this before, uh, so maybe, maybe this is a familiar story to you. Maybe not. I, I, the sickest I've ever been uh, was when I was on, my, on a bed for three straight days and kind of in and out of sleep. I don't know if you've ever been that sick where you're sort of half-conscious uh, I have fever, chills, vomiting, body aches, headache. I was totally shut down. And when you're like that, uh, you lay in the dark room and you just pray and hope it passes. Uh, and what we thought at the time was that I just had a bad flu. And, uh, and, but it was kind of so bad that we thought it might be something worse. You know, it's kind of like, eh, this is kind of troubling. You seem really incapacitated. Uh, and it wasn't until um, Aunt Donna, uh, Anne's aunt, came, who is a nurse, came, and, came to the house and saw my condition and heard what had been going on. I said, you know, it's really not normal for a 30-year-old man to be asleep for three days in bed with sickness. Like, this is something more severe than just the flu. And, and, and we then proceeded to go to the ER. And in the ER, as most hospitals are, the bright lights of the hospital uh, revealed something that my dark room did not reveal about me, which is that I had a giant red blazing bullseye on my arm. And what, what, if you know anything about Lyme's disease, this is the telltale sign of, of, a, of a tick bite, and I was suffering from Lyme's disease. It, it, it's completely hidden to us uh, in the dark room that, we were, that I was trying to heal myself in. But it, I, I tell you that because it's something of a, of a mark of our lives, isn't it, that we, we all sort of have a sense that there are things wrong with us, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, but we can't quite see what it is. Uh, and, and so sort of to live and grow older is to kind of live as one who misdiagnoses yourself. Can I get a witness, anybody? Uh, you, you think you know what's wrong with you, and then 10 years down, I look at my 30-year-old self, and I'm like, he had no idea what was wrong with him then. And of course, that will continue. So th this, is, this is what it is to be human. We've all experienced this darkness um, that, that clouds our ability to see what's wrong with us. And, and then, of course, to know what will actually bring us healing if we can't see what's, what's ailing us. Uh, and, and so this is, this is one way Scripture describes what uh, the human condition is apart from God. We're, we're blind and deaf to what God wants to tell us. We're blind and deaf to what ails us. And we know something is wrong, but we can't see the whole of it. Uh, and, and yet, we sort of, part of the, the, the depth of the darkness is that we're kind of convinced that if we just stay in that room long enough, it will heal us. That we can sort of self-medicate, um, even though we're blind to the bullseye on our arm. Uh, the good news, the good news this morning, the good news of this prayer is that we're going to contemplate and see God's holiness actually brings us healing. God's holiness is our healing. 
God's holiness reveals what ails us and it heals our sickness. God's holiness is our healing. And we find this in the, this good news in the way that Jesus teaches us how to pray. Last week, uh, Angelo uh, had us consider our Father in heaven, and this week, hallowed be your name. Um, and just to kind of step back for a second, as I said, this comes in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is going through several, just different sections, instructing his disciples in, in the ways of his kingdom and, and he gets to this part on prayer, and he begins actually in this, it, it, just before this, and you heard a little bit starting in verse 7, but he starts with how not to pray. He says, uh, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like somebody who stands up in front of everybody and prays in a way to get lots of attention. Uh, don't, don't make a big show of your prayers. And then in verse 7, he also says, but don't also pray like the Gentiles. Don't pray like the pagans. The, their relationship with prayer was, was their relationship with their gods. They thought, well, gods need to be, gods are kind of, temperamental, and they need to be manipulated. So he tells them, don't pray like that. Don't pray babbling along with many words. Your words are not needed to convince the true God. These other gods, they, they, they might, the Greeks imagined that they were, were sort of capricious and needed to be convinced, but not the God of the universe. Don't pray in that way. And, and just, just to be clear, he's not telling us not to pray with many words. That's not the point. Right? Because Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. So don't, don't think that you need to not use many. Perhaps that's best at times. But, but really it's about your, atti- your heart at it. What do you believe to be true about God's character? Do you believe that God's character requires you to use a lot of convincing language to convince him to do something for you? That's what he's, that's what he's pointing out. Don't, don't see God in that way. God does not need to be manipulated. But as we saw last week, rather pray as though God is your father who knows just what you need. And, he, and he's eager to give it to you. So this prayer then, this instruction that we're going through, it's the Lord's Prayer, it's six petitions. And you'll notice that there are three. The first three really are uh, about God, uh, God directly. We, we petition to his name, his kingdom, and his will. And then the last three are more concerned with us um, for our daily bread, for forgiveness, and to be uh, led away from temptation and evil. So, so hallowed be your name, the second petition. Let's, let's first ask the question that unless you pray in, in language that no one uses anymore, this should be sort of puzzling a little bit. Uh, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not a word we use very often. If you go to the, ever Google search a, uh, a word just to see, it's got the usage line graph. Has anybody ever seen this before? Who knows? I don't know. Where are they getting that data? I don't know. But it, basically, it shows you where, the usage of a word and how it's trended over time. Uh, so put in any word, and you'll see this. In hallowed, you know, about 1850, it's like kind of up high. And then right about the turn of the century, it just you know, drops off. So no one's using this word hallowed. So what does this prayer mean? What does it mean when we say, hallowed be your name? Uh, it's a petition for God to make his name holy. It seems, that seems evident. But... Here, here's something we need to make sure we, we, we realize it does not mean. It does not mean, God, help us to make your name holy. Uh, it, it's, so it's, it, it's an imperative, but it's in, it's in a passive way. It's in a way that suggests that uh, we are asking God to work on his own behalf. God on his own behalf for his own name. And that's actually the direction of all those first three petitions. If you look, 
Uh, it's asking God to act on his own behalf. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So it's, it's asking God to, to, to do something on his own behalf. And what are we asking that he do? The prayer asks us, ask us to ask God to hallow his name, which, as I said, not a word we use a lot, but you, you have a sense, right? What's the, what's the word you hear in there? You hear holy. Uh, it's the same root. The, to hallow means to make holy. What does it mean to make something holy? Something that's holy is, is something that's set apart, something that is sacred and utterly unique, uh, worthy of bowing down to, something that's holy. It's the same word, that same verb that, that you find in 1 Peter uh, when he says, but in your hearts revere or sanctify Christ as holy. Set him up uh, as Lord, sorry. Set him apart. Set him apart as utterly unique as the Lord. So God, set, your, set apart, make holy, make something worthy to be bowed down and known as utterly unique. And, and what is it then? What's the last piece that that's being, we're being asked uh, to pray for? That his name would be hallowed. Uh, the, the, the people of Israel handled the name of God with great care. So much so that they would not even spell it out. If you've ever seen uh, Yahweh, they drop a letter so as to, as a, as a, not because it's commanded, although the Ten Commandments do tell us to be careful with the way we handle God's name, but, it, but the... the um, the Israelites would talk about putting a fence around Torah so, not, so that you don't even come up against possibly breaking Torah, but you fence around it so that you have a further, a further check to make sure you don't break God's law. So th- there was a reverence for the name of God. They wouldn't, w- wouldn't write it out. They wouldn't say it out completely um, so as to not misuse it. And, and not because... For us, not because the letters G, O, and D together have something sort of particularly magical about it, but it's because uh, the name, a name is is revelatory. A name reveals character, uh, particularly in the ancient world. And so to misuse the name of God is is to misuse the character of God, is to tarnish his character. So, so, so pull back again, right? So the, the idea here is that God is not deficient in holiness, and we're praying that he fixes himself, right? God, God is holy, perfectly holy, but, but what, what, what this is being asked, what, what the prayer asks of God to do is that he would be known as holy. God is already goodness and beauty and purity set apart from all that is profane and finite. He is extraordinary. He is uncreated. He is heavenly. And so he does not need to improve upon himself. But uh, Carolyn um, Arendt says it well, and you see in your outline, she says, when Jesus teaches us to pray for the hallowing of God's name, he's really teaching us to pray that God's character will be revealed. God's character will be revealed here on earth just the way it is in heaven. And this is, this is something that God's name ha- has concerned throughout Scripture. So in Ezekiel 36, uh, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you come. 
God is concerned that, that the world understands and knows his character, knows his name and what it represents. Jesus prays in John 12, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The scripture is particularly concerned that, that God's character is known rightly in the world. What, so what's this about? I, I don't know if you, I was, I was but a wee lad when this happened, but um, uh, Johnson & Johnson recall. There, there was, I, I was reading about this. There was this massive, I did, I, as I say, I wasn't alive when this, well, I may have been. I wasn't around thinking about this when it, when it happened, but uh, in fall of 1982, there, there was... There was this sort of assault on Tylenol. Right, anybody in the room remember this? Anybody? Okay. All right, sorry to out you as, as being the... Uh, for the younger folks, I'll clue you in. Uh, apparently what happened is some, peop, some nefarious people went and put cyanide capsules into bottles of Tylenol and then resealed the tops um, in, in some stores around Chicago. Uh, and what happened is... Uh, let me make sure I'm, I'm saying it right... Um, uh, seven people actually died from taking cyanide when they thought they were taking Tylenol. Uh, and, 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 and in a matter of days, par, par, both the tragedy of that in itself, but in a matter of days, the single most trusted painkiller in America, and that's, that's true by sort of market share, that's true by, by sales numbers, became equated with death <laughs> right? around the country. And Johnson & Johnson is sort of famous uh, for, for what they did. They, they realized that they would never recover from this. Their name would never recover. I mean, can you imagine the association? Is this cyanide or is this going to take my headache away, right? What, what they did is they pulled every bottle of Tylenol off the shelves in America uh, to, guarantee, to, to guarantee to every consumer we, we have done everything we can. Now, the reality is the cost of that was astronomical, and what they really needed to, really, the threat was was to maybe no one at that point, right? There was maybe one other bottle out there. But that, what did they recognize? What did Johnson & Johnson recognize? There, there was something far more valuable than the cost of recalling all their products. The name, Tylenol, was infinitely more valuable to them than actually what it took to, 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 uh, to take the bottles off the shelves. The, the, the name of 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 God, his character, who he is, uh, I hope you recognize is far more infinitely important in the world and, and to us than, than a brand name of a painkiller. Uh, this petition asks us that, that God would be known to all people as he truly is, as set apart. Uh, just consider how, how important, how, how much life is given or taken away by the name of God being known for who he truly is. And, and the results of people not knowing his name as hallowed. And you see, I, what I, I pulled out just from scripture, a few, a few uh, just a handful of things that are associated with the name of God. That, so what, what I want you, as we think about this, is when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying that all people would turn to God and know him as these things. Uh, to know God as Alpha and Omega, as opposed to themselves. To know God as the bread of life. 
to know God as the comforter and creator and deliverer and friend of sinners, to know God as life itself, to know God as love and peace and the physician and refuge and savior and truth. And when the world gets that wrong and turns to something else, the consequences of that, of our sin and our turning from the one who is truly these things. So that's what the prayer means. It means hallow your name. God, make your name known as who you truly are in the world. Hallowed be your name. So so that's, that's what this prayer means. Why does Jesus teach us to pray this way? Uh, he does instruct us to pray. Remember, he starts with when you pray. The assumption is that we will be praying it. Uh, we will pray these words as they're written. We'll pray sort of in and around and sort of riffing off these words as well. We're given this petition because Jesus knows that we will be, need to be reminded of something we'll forget. We pray this prayer because we, we will forget that God is holy. We will forget who God is, that he alone is worthy of being bowed down to. Uh, and, and so certainly the, the, the hearers of this, the leaders of, of, of Israel, the religious leaders of Israel, the, the very important people that the children's story often calls them, they, they would have been in complete agreement with this prayer. Uh, it, the, the temple life this is this massive, beautiful architectural reminder of God's holiness and all the practices of, of honoring and following Torah and keeping the festivals and temple worship. All of these would have kept holiness, the, the, the set-apartness of God before the people of Israel. But, but how, we, we know this, part of the sickness of the human heart is that we can turn anything, uh, even religious practices, into something that's about ourselves. <laughs> yeah, here, I'm human, give me anything and I'll make it about myself, right? I'm just, I'm just a natural at it. Then, and this is part of what Jesus comes against uh, in, in, in his teachings throughout the Gospels. The religious leaders of the day had, had turned these practices that should honor God's name into methods for honoring their own names, um, into raising themselves up. And so Jesus spends a great deal of time trying to hold a mirror up for them to see. Do you see how you've made worship of me about yourself? And so... at the most basic level, what, what they have to do uh, to, to receive Jesus, what we have to do is to, is to listen and accept uh, an invitation from outside ourselves to get outside of the self-worship cycle. Uh, I needed to listen to Aunt Donna and her stern advice to get out of the bed. Um, I needed the invitation from the outside was what I needed to get out of myself. Uh, I needed professional medical advice. And, and, and th- th- that might not seem particularly difficult, but, but imagine that our, our condition is much more like this. Not only have we, uh, are, we, are we in the darkness, laying in the room by ourselves, trying to, to fix ourselves, um, but we, we insist, we insist that that is actually the way to heal ourselves. That, that much of my life is built around the notion that I will heal myself. And so to hear that outside invitation, uh, that, that comes then in a different way, doesn't it? it? It comes up against me. It means admitting that, that I have to give up power. It means admitting my limits. Uh, you see, 
the, the quote there from Valerie uh, Savings, she says, sin, this is how she defines, one, one way to define sin, the unjustified concern for the self, for its own power and prestige. And so we, we need this prayer uh, because it, it, it's a, it, it confronts our sinful selves um, in two ways. It's a double offense, and, I, and I've, I hope you've heard it. First, to pray this moves, moves prayer, praise and power and prestige from my name to God's name. And, and then second, it, it admits my helplessness. God is not only, hallowed be your name, God is not only to be praised, but God is the one to act as well. I, I'm praying to you, God, hallow your name, and you are the one who I'm asking to do it. I am helpless to do it. So this prayer interrupts my, my power and prestige. Uh, maybe you're, you're having trouble uh, considering where in your life you're laying in that dark room insisting upon uh, healing yourself. This actually just came out. It's uh, coincidental. Um, we just talked about this in our elders training. Uh, one window into this in your, in, in, uh, in your life might be just for you to notice um, where are you grumbling and complaining? What, what is a place that you find yourself complaining and grumbling in your heart about? And um, it, as I said, as Ed was pointing out to us this morning, this is actually a window into a place where you are, you are walking away from God and determining what, what is best and, and the, the right way for, for you to be healed. God, your plan is not the right one. Your way of healing is not the right one. So, uh, so this prayer, uh, that, that window into the heart... I, I just think upon this, it's, it's less about our behaviors, per se. It's more about what our hopes are, what our affections are, what our longings are, what, we, what do we ache to see honored and lifted up. And when I complain, it's because I, I ache to see my name lifted up, my name honored in a way that I don't believe it's been. So Jesus knows this about us. He knows that we need to be reminded that we, we need our sin to be confronted by saying these words, hallow be your name. This is why he gives us this prayer. So, uh, so how, how does God make his name hallow in our lives? Uh, how does this bring healing? Well, when, when we confront our sinfulness in this way, uh, we realize that it takes this turn. We move from being those who, who are obsessed with self-improvement and those who long for self-forgetfulness, which is so much of the wisdom of Jesus, how he points us to life, isn't it? Uh, this, and this is a bit of the tragedy of so much of what the, our culture is, I think, in many ways, trying in, in a right way to heal itself, but so much of it is just steeped in self-improvement, isn't it? It's, it's trying to just sharpen... Uh, something that is already sick at its core. It's trying to make something well on the outside that is sick on the inside. Uh, and what, Jesus, what this prayer moves us to, the way it brings healing is it moves us to self-forgetfulness. Do, do you know this? I, I found this out. The word ecstasy, um, it's, it's from the Greek word ekstasis, which, which literally means to stand outside yourself. 
there's something, there's something joyful and wonderful. There's, there's ecstasy in forgetting yourself and being outside of yourself. And so God brings healing through this petition. Uh, Hallowed be your name, that double offense. Uh, his name is praised, his doing becomes a double invitation for us to look not to our own name, but to his, and to look not to our own doing, but to his. Uh, so how does, this, how does this draw us out of ourselves? Uh, Angelo actually just told me this story. He was recently in, uh, in Florida, and uh, the, the, there's, I don't know, has anybody ever, ever been kayaking through mangrove tunnels? There are these, uh, yeah, okay, I, somehow I knew Jim had been there, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there, there are these mangrove tunnels in, uh, off the, the off Sarasota, I think it's Sarasota Bay is where he was. Uh, and, and there are these beautiful tunnels. Actually, I think, um, Dave, do you mind? Yeah, there you go. So these are the, the mangroves, and there are these, these are tunnels, right, not underground. They're sort of cut into the mangroves. Uh, and, you know, me... Me being, knowing a lot about how these things work, just thought this was a natural development. This is the way the mangroves, they grew with tunnels. I don't know. But that, that's actually not the case. The way, they, um, the way these came, uh, came to be cut in this way, and this is what Angelo, he went on a tour of these, and, and somebody had told him this, is that uh, some time ago, as you might imagine, this area has a massive mosquito infestation. And so the way that the locals decided they were going to deal with that infestation was, here, here's a plan. Let's pour diesel fuel into the water and set it on fire. Because that's what mosquitoes do, right? They drive you to such, such measures. Uh, um, and, and as you would imagine, that maybe worked for a couple days, and then the mosquitoes just found new nesting homes. Um, but, what, but the consequence of that, of course, was that it completely poisoned the water. Uh, diesel fuel and water are not happy partners. And, and so... So what, what had to happen was, in order for the, the water, the, the ecosystem to be restored, is that the Army Corps of Engineers came and, and cut these tunnels to the fresh water. And so over the past 30 years, the fresh water, the tide has been coming in and pulling out the diesel fuel and dispelling the contamination um, over the years. And, that, and now, and now we, we, we kayak up and down them and, and wonder at them, at the beauty of them. But, but, brothers and sisters, this is, this is a, a beautiful picture for us of the way self-forgetfulness uh, takes out the, the diesel fuel, the poison of our hearts. We need a larger body of fresh water from the outside to come in and pull it out. We, I, I, we try the diesel fuel method. Amen. We've set the fire on uh, the, the water on fire, uh, and, and we continue to do that. But but what we need is tunnels into a larger body of fresh water to refresh our souls, to draw the poison out. Um, and hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. I need I need the the, the work of God and the name of God to infiltrate my life with something far greater far more beautiful than I can conjure on my own. And, and this draws me into life. And this is, this is the gospel. If, if, you, 
If, if you're sitting here today and you've forgotten what the gospel is, you don't know what the gospel, this is the good news. Jesus Christ, the King, preexisted with the Father, took on human flesh, died for sins according to the scripture, was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. He appeared to many and then he ascended and is sitting at the right hand of God as Lord and he will come again as judge. And if you, if you pledge your life to this king, you, you open the tunnels of God's love and his transformative power into your life. This is the good news. Profess loyalty to this king and the spirit will claim you as his own and the spirit will begin cutting these, these tunnels into your life. So, uh, so just a couple ways as we, as we close about how this might look in your week, um, as you're in your thinking, in your life. Uh, a couple suggestions for you. When we pray, hallowed be your name, or as I just said, we have an invitation to, to live a life that is not centered on us, um, to live a life of self-forgetfulness. We have an invitation to, to realize that life is not about us. And, and I would just say to you, if, if you've, perhaps if you've been in church a while, that may be something you've heard again and again as a sort of thunderous rebuke. Life is not about you. And, uh, and I would just, I would say, I, Jesus offers that as, as an offering of life, not as a rebuke. He says, if you lose your life, you'll find it. He, he offers it in the most gentle and, and loving, invitational way. It's good news. Your life is not about you. Uh, and, and teenagers in particular, uh, the, the, Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan, he wrote this book called Adam's Return. Uh, it's about a male initiation, and he, 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 takes, he, collects, uh, he, he collects wisdom about how we've raised men and um, children over, over the years, and he, he, he brought them down to five principles, and I would say this is not just about men. This is for, for all of us, for women as well. Uh, listen to his five principles that, that, he, that, he, gathers, that he gathers to give raising, raising people. These are the five rules of initiation into adulthood. Life is hard. You are not important. Your life is not about you. You are not in control. You are going to die. Right, like, sign me up. Let's go to that D group. Let's do it. Now, but see, let, let's, let's be honest. The only reason these sort of sting a little bit is because they, they, they bite against the prevailing wisdom of our culture, don't they? Be, because we've been culturally formed by a completely different narrative, haven't we? Even as Christians, it infiltrates our hearts. And, and I think the wisdom of Jesus is, is, more, is far more aligned with what, with what Roar describes here. And so I say again, teenagers, if you're listening, um, this is a bomb for the soul to know that life is not about you. This is actually the way out of the, the prevalence of anxiety and boredom and depression we have in our teenagers. And I'm just sort of, just sort of extemporary, like, you know, just talking like, oh, I met a depression. No, statistically, the, the data shows us there's an epidemic of depression in, our, in teenagers at the moment. And what they need is not well, they, they need a lot, a lot of things. But, but actually, this is what they need to hear. The wisdom of Jesus. Hallowed be your name. Life is not about you. Uh, and and so, so the last couple things I would say is that doesn't mean then, teenagers and all of us, that 
you just are now a blank slate that I just erase myself. But now, when, we, when, when life is not about us, when we pray this prayer, we have room in our hearts and in our, in our lives to, to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, and so just, just two ways this happens. Um, we have room to love the Lord with all our heart, to praise him. Uh, this simple prayer gives us words to praise, to speak, to meditate on. Uh, Peter Kreft described praise as a glass mountain. When we try to climb it, we slide back into habitual self-consciousness. Uh, I don't know if you, if you have that experience on a Sunday morning when you're praising. I'm just trying to get up to praise, but I keep sliding back down. The, these, these words, um, they give us footholds on that glass mountain. Uh, these are the words of Christ that we can use and say and repeat. And because we repeat them over and over again, that shouldn't lead you to think that they're dry or empty. No, they're the footholds. They're the ways that we grasp onto that praise and, and, and give God praise in our lives. So use these words, hallowed be your name. Say that all week. Hallowed be your name, Lord, in my life. Hallowed be your name. And, and, then, and then it leads us to love. Uh, whenever we ask God to do something, we're, inviting, we're also inviting the Spirit to help us see his answer to that. Uh, to see how God is, is, is answering our prayers, to see what God is up to. Uh, I, I had this experience, this strange experience. Uh, as I was preparing the sermon, I was in the carriage house office. Just, Lord, I, I have no idea what this means. These are my prayers. Uh, help me, help me, Lord. And um, if you've worked in an office, you know this happens somewhat frequently. Uh, a fly or a bee will sort of appear out of nowhere and just begin banging itself against the, uh, the window. Where these come from, I think there's like a passage from hell that they just sort of emerge out of. But all of a sudden, I'm sitting there praying this, and this bee, this big bee just emerges and is just relentlessly smacking itself against the window um, over and over again. And I stand up, and I have a, not a Bible, but I have a book in my hand. And I'm, a, I'm about ready to crush this thing. And this, I know this sounds ridiculous, but my heart became overwhelmed with compassion for the bee. And I put my, my book down, and I got a trash bag, and I took the time to carefully get the bee into the trash can and take it outside um, and, let, and watched it with much delight fly away. Uh, now, now, what happened? I, 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 I confess to you, this, this is what I, I believe the Lord is doing. When we say, your name be hallowed, and we look to see God's name honored in the world, the way we see changes. The way we see creation now stands in a different way. I want God's character to be revealed and known. And so I want to treasure the nature that he gives and the beauty of something as simple as a bee. And I want to care for it. And, and so God's name being hallowed actually moves us to compassion for, for the world he's created. And, and I'm not going to judge you now if you go swat a fly. But it, but, but it changes the way we see. And so deeper still, it changes the way we see people. And so the last story I'll just tell quickly, we went, um, we, we partnered with New Life Glenside. We went and did what they call their, their caring for our homeless neighbors. We walked around down, down around Center City and passed out food and prayed for people on the street. And here's what happens. I mean, many things happen. And our, our teenagers who went can testify to this. But what happens is you see homeless people as no longer a part of the sidewalk which I was convicted, that's exactly what I do. 
And suddenly, my sight changed because I wanted to honor God. I wanted to represent him well. And people become more textured in our lives. We see them as actual reflections of, of God's design. And so I would just invite you to consider that as you pray, hallowed be your name, you can't help but turn and be full of compassion and love for the person next to you. You will see people differently when God reveals himself as he is. So let's, let's pray this this week, brothers and sisters. Where is God speaking to you this morning? Where is he calling you out of your stubborn darkness? Where do you need to know that God is mighty to save? Turn to him. Let's turn to him this week and say, Lord, hallowed be your name. Would you be the one who makes your name known? Would you reveal yourself to the world and to us? Uh, the worship team can come forward. Let me close in prayer. Lord, we just want to confess. Uh, we, we thank you, Lord. First, we just thank you. We thank you for your word to us. We thank you, Jesus, that you give us this prayer. Thank you, Lord, when we don't have the words this week. Uh, you, you've given us words. You've given us words to pray. And we thank you that you are indeed our Father. You, you love to hear your people pray. You, you, love, you long to give us what we need. So we thank you. Help us, Lord, to pray this prayer this week. Help us to be a people who, who say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's stand.